cool stuff. Yeah, so I was looking now while we while um, Ruan was um, sharing the stewardship teaching and Yanku leading worship, and I must say we've got some gentlemen here in the house. Eh? Yes, yeah, so if anyone wants Ruan's number, it's zero eight two three. Yes, so picking it up from the heart, and all the ladies go, oh, it's from the heart. <laughs> um, it's been so clearly, so clear. Um, what Jesus wants to come and do. And just with Melissa's um, word that she sees this, um, this thing bigger than her, um, Jesus, um, that's inside of her and that's, um, that's really for her. And um, I just want to start with sharing, like if there was a, a preach that I, that, I, that I wanted to, if you could name it, it would be that Jesus is building his church on the revelation of who he is. Um, um, and the church is us, the church, the bride to be, that is us. He wants to build his church. He wants to build us through the intimacy and the view of who he is. Um, and I really believe and I trust, maybe sometimes, I think sometimes even with me, I catch myself so many times um, listening to a preach in church um, or even listening to someone, and I would very easily think of someone else, and I would think, yes, I really hope that this person was just here to listen to this preach. Um, but I want to encourage you tonight that, or it's not tonight, it's still daylight, but yeah, tonight, I want to encourage you that try not to think of anyone else. Bring your life before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to come and show to me now? What is it you? Because I think we can serve the Lord for so many years, and I've heard of so many um, stories of people serving the, year, the Lord for 30, 40 years, people serving the Lord for one month, and they somehow, in some way, they lose what Jesus wants for them. They lose their intimacy with Jesus. And I think this thing that I, I, I think I felt this really strongly for the Lord, even for my own life, and I had kind of had this thing for my heart, on my heart for almost three months that I really want to share. And, I, and when um, Leonard said, you can share something, I was like, yes, this is the thing. And I just hope that in worship and in prayer meeting that the Lord would highlight to other people um, what it is. So please bring your life before the Lord and don't think of anyone else. Think of your own life. But before I share, is it Piet gesheer in prayer meeting? Michael, Michael. Ja, kan jy gauw vannig net share wat jy gevoel het? Was jy? Ja, was jy? Ja, kan jy gauw vannig onder te kom? I think he shared something very profound and just adds to what I feel the Lord wants to come and do and wants to come and say today. Ja, maybe turn to the person next to you and tell them I love that smile on your face. <laughs> If you see anything in the, if you see anything in their teeth, ask them what they had for breakfast. <laughs> hello, hello. Ik ben Michael. Voor die wat niet weet nie. Um, ja, so toen ons in die intercession was, het ek maar net naar. Oh, sorry. When I was in intercession with um, these awesome people, um, I just felt the Lord really lay on my heart that we should break down preconceived ideas of what God is trying to do in our lives because we sometimes have this expectation of where God is moving in our life, but then that's not the reality. God's will is always perfect, and tapping into that perfect will, that is where, where it's at, basically. 
Um, so yeah, I just felt that and then he broke that down and then, yeah, awesome. <laughs> Great. Yeah, and I think it adds to um, what, what I want to share is that, that so many times we forget that Jesus is the architect of this church. He's the one building his church. And um, we can so easily bring our man-made things and our preconce- preconceived ideas. I think that's the right word. We can thank you, lovey. The English is getting there. If, if there's a word that doesn't make sense, it's probably not English, so don't worry. Um, yeah, so let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are building your church, Lord. And that when you're on the cross, Lord, when you were on the cross, you thought of every one of us, Lord. You thought of what you want to come and do. And even you died on the cross, um, Jesus, for people who will never follow you, but yet you still died for everyone, Lord, because of your love, because of your heart for intimacy with us, Lord. And Jesus, I pray that you would come and show us, Lord, even if we hear the words, that you would come and show us, Jesus, what you want to come and build in our lives, Lord. That we would open our eyes, that you would, Holy Spirit, that you would come and open our eyes. And that you would come and show us the person of Jesus. Maybe in your own way you are right now. Just open your heart to the Lord. Just tell him, Jesus, I want to open my life to you. Just right now where you are. Awesome. So I, um, <coughs> this past two months... I've had the privilege of spending a lot of time with some of um, some of the lead elders in Josh Jane, and and as I had coffee with them, I tried to ask them this one question, and I and I think that's probably a, I think any of us would have asked that question, um, especially for the older guys. What if you um, if you would die today, what is the advice that you want to leave with people today? And yes, we know that we need to give our lives to Jesus. Otherwise, um, we might not see eternity in heaven one day. And we know all the right answers in a sense. But the thing that I've heard over and over and over is that you're building your life for eternity. You need to build your life, not for now, not for the things of now, but you're building your life for eternity. And it just hit me that the only thing that's actually eternal in our lives right now is Jesus. That's the only, that's the only person that's eternal. And if we look at, uh, I think it's John 17, it says that eternal life is to know God. That's eternal life. If you want to know what your purpose in life is, it's to know God. That's your purpose in life. So I would like to share just a quick story of my own. Um, in my own life, I... I got, um, got into a relationship with Jesus in grade 11 by one of the nerds in my school, just keeping on and keeping on, just irritating me with this youth. I know Yanku knows, it, <laughs> knows him. Um, and he just, just continuously invited me to this youth group. And eventually I gave in. I said, I, I thought, yes, I might get a nice girlfriend or someone at the youth. Let's try it. And I remember going into this youth group and every time thinking that, yes, so these people are so loving. These people are so crazy. Like in worship, it, looks, it looked for me like um, Jewish people walking, looking at the walls and just speaking to them and I, people rolling down. And I just couldn't understand really what, what is these people doing. But something that hit me that night when I saw um, how it looks like to love Jesus for the first time was that 
the people really loved Jesus, and I wanted that. And eventually, um, the, the guy who led the youth um, shared the gospel, and he shared, um, he opened up for anyone who gives their life to Jesus, and I couldn't, even though I didn't really understand what I'm doing at the moment, I couldn't deny that the Jesus that I was seeing there wasn't the same Jesus that I knew, and I wanted that Jesus. And I remember giving my heart to the Lord and um, going that night into my room, and all of a sudden just started crying, just cried and cried and cried, and I eventually got hold of a Bible somewhere, and, and I, I, I know we shouldn't like open the Bible and just say, yes, this is what the Lord wants to come and say to me, because you can so easily pop on a scripture where it says, now, I don't know, this is your wife, or whatever, I don't know, <laughs> but, but scripture actually comes in context, but the scripture that I just opened up, and um, I opened up in Matthew, and maybe you can, um, Mika, you can just open up on um, Matthew 16, and it says, this is the scripture that I got after I got saved. And, I, and it says, for ev- whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And you can just keep it um, on that scripture. Um, <clears throat> and I wrestled with this thing. I couldn't really understand it. I understood like, okay, I need to, if I try to save my life in my own way, in my own strength, I'm actually going to maybe lose life or... Um, if I lose my life, um, if I lose my life for his sake, I might find life. So I started a little bit understanding what does it mean to lose your life for his sake. And I was wrestling with this thing. I knew I gave my heart to Jesus, but what does it mean when you lose your life and for him? And when you try to gain your life, you actually lose your life. And it wasn't even a month after I gave my heart, my heart to the Lord, I got kidney failure in both kidneys, and just both of my kidneys just didn't work anymore. Um, I used to do swimming a lot, for, and usually in swimming at school, we swim for almost two hours up and down, and I couldn't even swim one length, and I, re- th- I realized then something is really wrong. So I, I eventually just uh, gave a chance and see what happened, but uh, eventually I passed out in, in my home, and luckily my mom was there, and when I ended up was in the hospital, and I and they said, you're diagnosed with kidney failure. And I'm not just sure if you guys know, but they, um, if you have kidney failure, you need to be on a dialysis, dialysis machine. And it's like a machine that basically tries to do the work of your kidney. If you don't know what dialysis is, um, maybe ask Melissa. She would explain it well to you. <laughs> um, but basically what it does, it filters your blood. And that's the work of your kidney. Your kidney filters your blood. And if your blood isn't filtered correctly, your, how your heart gives actually in. And I'm not just sure about other people's experience, but I used to go every second day on the dialysis machine. They put needles in my arms, and they filtered my blood, and they basically take almost all of your blood through your body, and they filter it. And, um, but my, the dialysis where I was, um, around about every five, six months, almost every term, someone would die on the dialysis. And this is not over-exaggerating. This is literally what happened. Um, You would be on your machine and you would sit and there would be about 20 people in one shift. And for five hours, uh, you're sitting there and you're being filtered by this machine and people would die. And being in that situation, like seeing people die around me and usually they would die because of a heart attack because the, the machine purifies your blood, but it doesn't really purify everything. 
and eventually people's hearts give in and they get a heart attack or something happens and they die. And then when I, when I started going back to that scripture of what does it mean, really mean to lose your life? And I kind of, in that way, I was kind of forced to let go of my dreams, make peace with, with death and make peace that I could actually die today, um, that I can die any day, I could die in my sleep. And in that moment when I started to lose, not just there, but I, I was, for a couple of years, I was in dialysis, and I started realizing by losing everything in my life, my dreams, um, and I was 17 years old, so you can think, you, you're thinking about your career, you're thinking about um, your wife one day, I didn't think I'm going to ever have a wife, and um, I didn't even know I'm going to go to the Netherlands with her and to build Jesus' church or help with not me building his church, but him using us. And, and there I was, sitting on that dialysis machine and just seeing people die, and I really needed to make peace with the fact that, you know, what is life really about? And that scripture just came to my mind again, that when you lose your life, for his sake, you will find life. But it's hard to think about it now. It's hard to actually say it. But when things are taken from you, if you think of something that's precious to you, that you can think of now maybe, if those things are taken with, from you, your dreams, your future, the children that you think of maybe having, and just any dream that you might have, those things taken from you and you had to maybe come at a place where you need to be satisfied with where you are, would Jesus still be enough? Would he still be the one that you're satisfied with? So in that moment, I really, um, I really grasp, I, I, I don't say, I've, I wouldn't never say I've grasped everything, but I understood something of losing everything and being so satisfied with Jesus when you've lost everything and you've lost your dreams and everyone is feeling sorry for you. And, and just really understanding what is life about. Um, and then when I die today, where am I going? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? Because in the Bible it says that, that um, many will come to him and say, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We've all did all these things in your name. And, and it could be that he could tell us, but I never knew you. So a relationship with Jesus and him satisfying you is all that life is about. Eternal life. It's about Christ. And um, I, I just wanted to share Matthew, the next scripture, Matthew 16, verse 13 to 18. And um, just a bit of context before we read it. Um, this is a, um, a scenario of Jesus. Actually, just, um, just a couple of uh, verses just before he prepares his disciples for the crucifixion. And... And I think if someone is sharing something just before they're going to die, I think that's quite important. Right? Um, and um, Jesus, is, um, Jesus is spending time with his disciples, and he, um, he says to them, uh, well, it's, I'm just going to read it. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Then go on, and and they said some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" Just pause. They don't go to the next scripture. 
And I think if, if Jesus would have asked us right now, and we would have been in that situation, try to picture yourself. Like, they didn't know the Jesus kind of that we, they spent time with you, but they, they didn't know about the crucifixion happening really. They've heard about it. They heard glimpses about it. Afterwards, we see Jesus telling them about the cru- crucifixion and the disciples actually said, but no, Jesus, why are you going to? How can you do this? What are we going to do without you? But what, do you, what would you say in that situation when Jesus asks you, who do you say I am? You see this man doing miracles. You're seeing this man doing, um, saying, follow everything, leave, follow him and f- leave everything. What would you say in that moment? And, and Peter answers him, and Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's not a dead God. He's a living God, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Yeah. And that just, once again, just shows us that that part where it says that flesh and blood hasn't showed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven will show showed this to him. And it goes on. And Jesus tells him, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock will um, rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Now, we can get very easily get focused about we hear Simon Barjona's name is being changed to Peter, as we know it today. But then Jesus says, and on this rock, this is, and, and basically it says that on this rock, on this revelation of what you just said, Peter, um, that, you, that I am a son of God, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is hectic, guys. This is what Jesus is building his church on. He wants to build our lives on. This isn't something that Peter knew. It must have been something that the Holy Spirit showed to him in his time with Jesus, that he is the son of the living God, the only God. Um, I, I heard this, this example one time being shared, and it says if you would, you, if you would um, like imagine yourself as a, as a toothpaste and, um, and, and people squeeze you, always forget about the toothpaste inside, but kind of when people squeeze you to the point where you can't be squeezed anymore or suffering comes in your life or you go through a very rough time or a desert um, season, well, I could almost say, if you are being squeezed, what would come out? Would it be Jesus or would it be Jesus and other things? What would come out? If you are being squeezed, if, if you would be like toothpaste being squeezed, what are the things that would come out? Would it be Jesus? Those thoughts, those desires, the things that you never want to share actually to people, what are the things, what are, the, what are those things? And I think we, let's reevaluate our lives before the Lord and ask what, what is really, what, what would come out? And um, I, I worked this year for a company um, that's selling water. And um, in the summer, I started to learn a lot about um, like where the water come from. They took me to the water plant and they showed me a lot of things. And I went to this water plant and it, they showed me basically this, um, this um, thing that goes deep into the ground and, and it gets the, 
the beautiful, most precious source of water that they can get. Um, and that's basically how any water plant, spring water plant, should work. And and that and then you see all these beautiful water being like coming from that place, and seeing all this beautiful water being placed in a water bottle, and um, people drink it. But there was there was in this time when I sold water, I started to um, they started showing us, and you need, kind of need to know your competition, and you kind of need to know who you're really selling water against with. And there was this one company, I'm not going to say the name, but the water that they got from, and they went quite deep um, with um, in getting water and nice water from the spring. And um, the water that they got was, according to everyone, it was so good quality water. If I would say the name to you right now, you would think, well, I actually drink this almost every day, um, but I'm not going to say that name now. <laughs> um, but when I did the studies, and, and, and not just me, and overall, um, um, they did studies about this thing. It ended up that the water actually has too, um, too much high, um, what do you call it, high mineral, or the part that the sodium, the salt, the salt actually, the sodium part of the water is actually too high, that it's actually a little bit unhealthy for your body. Um, and now I am there, um, I know this, and... I know a lot of people drink it, and, but it's not like it's going to kill you. But this water is so popular, and people are drinking from it. And I know that the mineral is, the sodium mineral is actually a bit too high. And if I, and, and, and it's sad to know, obviously, that a lot of people are drinking it. Um, the water that Melissa is drinking right now, I'm joking. No, <laughs> no I'm joking, not that water. But think about that, and thinking of church, and Jesus is building his church on the revelation of who is? I think it's there's something that I could connect with it, and it would be that there's a it's almost a Jesus that's being built in churches, and a Jesus that we see in churches, that it's there. It looks like the right thing, but there are certain parts of man-made things that are added to it. And I really believe that if we choose today that we want to build on Jesus and who he is and the church that he says, the revelation of who he is, that he would come and show us the true him, the Jesus that desires to be with us, that the Jesus that dreams about being with us every day, right now, the Jesus that's knocking on the door of our hearts and saying, I want to come in, that we would be a people that when any false Jesus would come, that we would be so intimate with him that we would know that this is not him. And, um, and obviously, I think this all starts from uh, not just giving your life to Jesus, but actually working out your salvation, spending time with the Lord, going like that water. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes we spend time with Jesus and we don't feel anything. But then we need to dig that well. We need to wrestle like Jacob wrestled with, with God. Until we get the Jesus that we want, the Jesus that we've tasted and we've seen is good. In 1 John, it says that, um, it says, he goes out and it says that uh, when people tell him to stop preaching the gospel, he says, but I cannot stop sharing from what I've seen and heard. I cannot. Are you at that place where you're saying, I cannot stop sharing of what I've seen and heard? And that's the Lord's heart for all of us. That's what he wants to build his church on. On a people that say, Lord, we cannot stop speaking about you. 
if we go out this door, we want to share Jesus. It's like if you are on an island, and no one, Bernadette knows that this is coming. I didn't say to it when I preached it. But if you are, imagine yourself on an island, and no one in the world knows about chocolate. No one knows about it. Or maybe let's say Drewwors, all the free staters, Noordkapper, Lekker. Um, if you tasted that for the first time, and you go back into the city, and no one has tasted this, chocolate or drivers or bolt or whatever, what would you do? You would tell them about it. You would tell them, listen, you don't understand what I've just tasted. You don't understand what I just had in my mouth. And that is what Jesus wants us to do. That is what Andrew is, is, and the whole Joshian is actually right now trying to push forward to. Let's, let us be the light. Let us be a people that build our lives around Jesus. That when we are squeezed through the things of this world, and we are going to be squeezed. Jesus says in his word that there are going to be um, trials and tribulations. When we are squeezed, that it would be Jesus coming out of us. And not Jesus and other stuff. He is building his church. Not us. It's him. And um, and part of... And part of um, Part of Jesus is just before his crucifixion. I, I want to hammer on what Jesus said just before his crucifixion because it's important. We need to know what a person would have said before his death. And he's actually saying in John 17, and I want you really to listen to what Jesus is saying. Like, gross body is saying the beauty of this. John 17. And it says, um, Jesus is basically, he's giving a prayer. Um, Jesus is praying to God at the moment, and if you want to know what Jesus is praying right now, I think this is part of it. And Jesus is praying, he's saying, I do not ask for the, these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, next, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they, us, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you love me. And this scripture I don't know if you guys click what it's saying, but if I read it, Jesus is praying, and he's saying, God, Father, may they, the disciples, the people that give their lives to Jesus, the believers, may they be one, just as Jesus and the Father is one. I don't think we understand the oneness that Jesus and the Father has. We don't understand it, but Jesus still is praying, Lord, I pray that they would have that same oneness with us, like that same oneness that Jesus and the Father has, that we would have that same oneness with Him. We get to be one with Him. We get to be one with Jesus and the Father. And we later on see how Jesus dies, and He says that He sends the Holy Spirit, and that's actually part, that we can be part of that oneness. Um, yeah, and um, I thought of, I thought of a lot of examples of, of people who, um, of like people who example this well, maybe in scripture or that I see daily. But uh, there's a scripture that says that 
I, I'm not too sure where it is, but I, if you come to me afterwards, I can give you that scripture. But it says that all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Can you imagine it? All of creation is waiting for the sons. And I think that, uh, no, not think I know, that's daughters as well, okay? For the sons of God to be revealed. All of creation, all of creation is waiting for us to sh- shine Jesus. The oneness that the Father has in Jesus, the same oneness that we have with the Father in Jesus. All of creation is waiting for that to be revealed right now, where you are. People don't know him. People don't know what we have. Sometimes we forget what we have. And we need to be reminded that Jesus is building his thing on this, on him, on he is the person. Um, And I think the best example, I know Leonard is like hammering on this thing that he loves Peter. That Peter is the guy that's like his hero. But I, I thought, I, w- I wish Leonard was here, but Leonard doesn't feel well today. And I could tell him, Leonard, I don't think Peter is the best. I think John is the best. <laughs> um, and I'm just joking, but looking at the life of John, I think he, he example, his life, his example of life is so beautiful of how he lived. And I'll just briefly give you some context of John. We see that um, Jesus um, invites John, he's um, actually part of the family of Jesus, and um, I, 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 I obviously, uh, I, I was, my eyes are now clicking on Ryan, um, Ryan is shaking her head, yes, that's correct, <laughs> when you said that um, on scripture at the moment, <laughs> um, and that John, basically, um, when John started following Jesus, this is not John the Baptist, this is uh, John, part of Jesus' family, and um, actually like blood family, and <clears throat> John, when he follows Jesus, there's a point where um, Jesus calls him, um, him and his brother James, the sons of thunder. So John, imagine this guy, John, that later we say, we read in the, bar, the book of John that he actually writes about himself, the disciple who Jesus loves, but here Jesus calls him in the beginning, calls him the son of thunder, and uh, I think there's a good reason for that. John actually went um, when, when John and the disciples and Jesus, the way they were together and they were preaching the gospel, there was another group that also preached the gospel. And, um, and, and we see how the, the life of John, how he says, Lord, send fire from heaven down to those people that's also sharing your gospel um, and burn them because we are actually the ones that's trying to share the gospel. Isn't that like next level? That's like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and then we see how John asks um, Jesus, uh, John asks his mother to ask Jesus, Lord, can we sit on the left and the right of you, like him and his brother James? That's like divine manipulation. Like he asks his mother to ask Jesus to sit on the left and the right of him. Imagine that, you asking your mom to ask Jesus, can we sit on the left and the right of you? And then we see how John eventually becomes the disciple of love. We see how he He's um, leaning on Je- Jesus' chest, and we see this guy loving Jesus so much. And there's actually stories of John, well, he's the youngest apostle, but a lot of stories says that when a lot of the disciples were um, uh, martyred and um, were killed because of Jesus, um, they tried to boil him in oil, and he didn't die. Um, that's John, guys. That's why John is the coolest. Um, um, and um, then we see how John is just... Um, basically going into churches, and there's a lot of church history says that John used to went into churches, and people would have asked him, like, John, what, 
what have you learned in your time of Jesus? And he would say, love one another. So he's clearly been this person that loves love Jesus. But then, and I'm going to end off with this, and, and then we see um, in the book of Revelations, I don't know if you guys know, but the Revelations, the book, is the writer is John. Jesus actually entrusts John with the book of Revelation. And, um, and we see this picture of Jesus um, revealing himself to John. Um, and John explaining this uh, vision of what he sees about Jesus. But then it says that he fell down to the ground uh, as though he was dead. So you see the son of thunder and then you see the disciple Jesus loves. And then all of a sudden you see John, this guy who has this holy experience with Jesus. And he falls down and he can't come up because it almost feels like he's dead. And just after that, John, Jesus shows certain things to John. And one of the things, um, just by ending off, um, in uh, Revelations um, 2, verse 4 to 5, Jesus writes to certain churches and he speaks to John about them. John is sitting on this island, uh, on, he was on, on the island of Patmos and on the of Patmos, and Jesus is showing certain things for certain churches. And um, Jesus is saying this one thing to this one church, and he says, but I, uh, he says, basically, he has all, they've done all these things right, but he says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come, Jesus, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So Jesus is actually saying that you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten me. And this is actually extreme because Jesus says, if you forget, your, forget me so much, I will come and remove that lampstand from you. And the question right now, I think, actually is, who is your first love right now? Is it Jesus? Is it Him? And the last scripture is um, Revelations 2, verse 4 to 5. And Jesus says to this other church, Revelations 2, oh, sorry, Revelations 3, verse 1. Sorry, Revelations 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, this is basically Jesus writing to the, to the church in Sardis, the words of him, Jesus, who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Guys, imagine like they had the reputation. They thought, the people around them thought that, you, that they are alive. They are alive to Jesus. But when Jesus came to this church and he spoke through John, he said, but you are dead. And the question that we need to ask ourselves today, whether we've been saved for how many years or if we don't know Jesus today, but do you know Jesus and are you building your life on Jesus or is he going to come and take away that lampstand? And a lampstand is shining for Jesus. And this is not, I'm not saying this to condemn anyone or try to make you feel guilty, but I want and it's not me. It's not me saying this. This is Bible. This is Scripture. And Scripture can defend for himself. Scripture is saying what Jesus is actually saying at the moment. 
But he's building his church. He's building our lives on the revelation of who he is, our first love. And I think the best example I would give to practically do this is I've heard the example of like um, the, the people, we've got machines today, but the people who used to work in the bank, and this is just a practical, practical example from my side. I can't say this and not just give you a practical example of my own life, what I've seen, but I heard this example of the people who work in the banks in, in, in back in the days when we, they didn't have all the nice fancy machines, that a lot of money notes would come in. And, and obviously not just uh, real money, but fake money would also come in. And the way that they um, differentiated or see, could see the difference between false notes and real notes is that they studied they studied the real notes so much, the detail and the exact, and they looked at this thing for so long that when a false note, like a 10 rand note, comes in, they know exactly this is a false note because they've spent so much time on this real note. And I really trust that we wouldn't just have this relationship with Jesus, that, but we would be a people that would, can discern who is the real Jesus and who is not. But this is such a, such a good example for us that if we really want to know Jesus, we need to imitate him. We need to look at him. We need to see left, right, and center and try to see who is he? Who is Jesus? Reinhard Bonnke, a guy who did a lot of crusades and he's, 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 he's not living anymore, but he lives so much. He lived a radical life for Jesus. A lot of people know him. And he says that, People can take everything from you. They can take everything from you except your faith in Jesus. Your faith in Jesus, your first love. They can't take that away. 